Hello and welcome to African Jeopardy. My name is Ife and I'm recording from Pitton Wim in Scotland. Today we will be discussing strengthening regional maritime security in a phase of competing geopolitical interests in the Gulf of Guinea. And I have a well-qualified person to speak to us about this today in the person of Dr. Kamal Dean Ali. Kamal Dean Ali, PhD, is a Navy captain, a retired Navy captain, and is an accomplished executive director with extensive experience in maritime law, security, and international relations. Dr. Ali has demonstrated exceptional leadership and expertise in shaping policies, improving ocean governance, and promoting maritime security across Africa as the executive director of the Center for Maritime Law and Security Africa, SEM Laws Africa, and a senior lecturer at the University of Professional Studies, Accra. Dr. Ali is an accomplished academic with a PhD, LLM, and Masters of Arts degree. He has written extensively, and his book, Maritime Security Cooperation in the Gulf of Guinea, Prospects and Challenges, is widely considered as an important contribution to global and regional expertise. Throughout his career, Dr. Ali has demonstrated a strong commitment to capacity building and transparency in fisheries governance, among other vital, policy, pro, um, vital problems. He has served as a primary consultant on various projects in West African countries, tackling piracy, fishing vessel destabilization, and fisheries transparency. With an impressive track record in academia, consulting, and military service, Dr. Kamal Dean Ali continues to be a respected and influential figure in the field of maritime law and security, dedicated to fostering sustainable and secure ocean governance across Africa and beyond. I mean, without even saying so much, you would agree with me that this is the right person to discuss this topic. And might I add that I had to cut the, key, um, the, the bio short because it was, it's quite long and he's well accomplished in, in his field. Dr. Kamal, thank you so much for making time to speak to me. Thank you very much, Dr. Akofa Yawood, and um, uh, affectionately referred to you as Ife, Ife Sinachi. Yes, uh, yes. It's a pleasure to be on the, um, Africa Geopardy, and, um, and I'm grateful for the kind ways of introduction. Okay, well, thank you so much. And without taking much of your time, I'd like to go straight to the point by asking you, what is maritime security in the context of the Gulf of Guinea and why is it important? I'm losing you. I'm losing you. Hello? Do you yes, need I'm me back. to repeat the question? Yes, I lost you. Okay. So what is maritime security and why is it important in the context of the Gulf of Guinea? Uh, thank you for the question. Um, if you wanted to put it in the very simplest way, uh, maritime security simply refers to securing the oceans. Securing the oceans and making sure that the oceans are safe, peaceful, and 
global community as a whole, and in the context of the Gulf of Guinea, Gulf of Guinea countries and coastal communities are able to enjoy the uses of the ocean. So this is by far the simplest definition that we can provide. But when you look at it then a bit broadly, we are looking at different aspects of ocean commons and how that can be protected. So we are looking at global shipping or regional shipping, how that can be protected. We are looking at the livelihood of coastal communities, how that can be protected. Then we are looking at fishery resources and other living resources, as well as some other non-living resources, especially in the Gulf of Guinea, where we have extensive and growing offshore oil and gas facilities. So if we put this together, our ability to secure and keep this safe is what will constitute maritime security. Thank you so much for the detailed explanation, actually done in a very simplified form so that our audience can understand it. I'd like to ask you the next question then, given the potentials in the region and the threats and the need to secure um, this space. Can you tell us um, some of the steps in terms of the regional steps that has been taken or currently ongoing to strengthen our maritime security in the Gulf of Guinea? To put it in context, you are looking at a number of coastal communities spreading all the way from Kived, if you want to stretch it that far, to Angola. So within this space, you are having a lot of coastal communities. And these coastal communities are vast, or coastal countries rather, and they have vast areas of maritime space. Of course, um, that is relatively, some have much broader, for example, uh, such as Kived and Angola, and some may have much smaller maritime space, such as Benin, um, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo and Togo. But put together, you are looking at a vast area of maritime space. Also importantly, you have to look at the governance of the maritime space. Beyond countries that provide for the governance of the maritime space, you are looking at regional institutions. And within this space, you have two key regional institutions. That is ECOWAS, the Economic Community of West African States, and ECAS, the Economic Community of Central African States. You also have other maritime-related organizations, and two of them are MOCA, Maritime Organization for Western Central Africa, and then Gulf of Guinea Commission. So put together, these four regional organizations have tried to provide some kind of governance architecture for the maritime space. And this has resulted in what we call the Yawondi Code of Conduct. So the Yawondi Code of Conduct or Yawondi Architecture for Maritime Security provides a framework for delivering maritime security in the Gulf of Guinea. Simply put, the structure looks at a number of governance issues that are supposed to be tackled, but also looking at monitoring the maritime environment. And in the context of the monitoring of the maritime environment, you have the overall organization that has been created called the Interregional, the ICC. And this is in Yaoundé. Then you also have two sub-regional bodies. That is Krismao, looking into the ECOWAS region, and Krismak, looking into the ECAS region. 
Then you have various zones that have been created. And the overall objective is that countries can cooperate and look into the maritime space, address maritime security concerns, but ultimately provide more uh, ocean governance and ensure that the countries are able to benefit from maritime commons and maritime resources and opportunities. Again, thank you for a very detailed explanation. And from that, you could hear or you could note that there are different entities that sort of are working together to ensure um, maritime security in the region. The question then is, how can we strengthen this effort, given that it seems there are just so many, if that's the right way to put it? How can we strengthen the ongoing efforts, given that there are there seems to be different entities in a way that we avoid replication at a time where there's likely to be very limited resources to work effectively in this space? That's, that's one of the challenges. Um, although the Yaoundé architecture is a good architecture, the architecture itself is, is expensive to maintain because of the way it has been conceived and operationalized. Be it as it may, to broadly provide for maritime security, you are looking at a number of things. At each country level, you are looking at key things that must be addressed. One is the legal framework. Two is the institutional framework. Three is coordination and synergy of the relative institutions that are supposed to address maritime security. Addressing maritime security in a national context is very complex. And at times, some of the organizations or even national institutions that you may not think of are very, very key. Uh, for example, if you are looking at a national level, people will readily remember that uh, fisheries ministries and fisheries commissions are important. People will readily remember that port administrations are important. People will easily remember that maritime administrations, for example, in Nigeria, Nemasa, in Ghana, Ghana Maritime Authority, in Sierra Leone, Salima, people remember that these are important. And people remember that the Navy is important. But hardly will people remember that the Environmental Protection Agency is also important, or that the meteorological organization is important, or even that the custom institution is important and the immigration institution is important. So what this shows is that to address maritime security at the national level, you need a well-knitted coordination of different institutions and agencies at the national level. But you also need appropriate legislation to deliver. And finally, you need the capacity and capability to deploy a city. And they are very hard. There's a hard and soft aspect of that. You are looking at platforms that the Navy must have but you are also looking at maritime domain awareness, the ability to monitor the ocean space and know what is happening. So when we have this at the national level, we cascade it to a regional level where we are then looking at broadening our capabilities and having a greater uh, look at the regional level or in the context of the Gulf of Guinea at the zonal level, then you look at the regional level, then you look at the entire Gulf of Guinea level. Notwithstanding that, you cannot undermine the importance of other global institutions in this respect. Nowhere more than ever, when it comes to the maritime space, there is a huge global interest in the maritime space. So you are looking at other key global organizations, but you are also looking at 
other external countries and interests that also have a role to play and have interest in the maritime space as well. Thank you. Um, hello, are you still there? I am here, Effie. Okay, thank you so much. Um, again, for another really crisp response that sort of helps us understand better how we can strengthen um, the institutions. You talk about the legal framework, institutional framework and insurance synergy. And you also talked about the global interest. And this brings actually the opportunity for us to speak to the theme, the second theme of this conversation, which is, can you tell us what the competing geopolitical interest in the Gulf of Guinea are? You already noted that there are so many. So can you introduce us to some of them? Thank you. Yes, and to do that, we have to understand something about maritime borders. Quite often, we think about maritime borders only in respect of two borders. We think about the coastal front, and we think about neighboring borders. For example, in the case of Nigeria, we think about neighboring border with Cameroon and neighboring border with Benin. In the case of Sierra Leone, for example, we think of neighboring border with, you know, with, um, with 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 Cardiff, uh, with um, neighboring countries um, such as Guinea and then and then Liberia, and then we talk about the coastline, but we have to understand that maritime borders are more than that. We have what we call the territorial sea border, we have the contiguous zone border, and we have the exclusive economy zone border. The reason I am emphasizing this is that it is this multifaceted understanding of maritime borders that bring into being the global and external interest in the maritime space. You're talking about the Gulf of Guinea, which is the focus of our discussion, but countries that are very far away because of certain interests that they have within these maritime borders and within this maritime space, it translates into visible policy and strategic interest of these states that they want to pursue in this particular region. So if you take the Gulf of Guinea, for example, you can look at the interest in different ways. You look and look at it from the perspective of shipping. And you have very many shipping countries, countries that have great interest in shipping, such as Norway, sorry, such as um, um, the Dutch, um, such as uh, the Swiss, um, China, uh, and many other European countries. These countries, controls global shipping. They control global shipping in different perspectives. They may control it from the point of view of the ships itself, shipping finance, um, ship operations, um, the manning of the ship and the crewing of the ships. Ultimately, Africa is somehow lost in this interest when it comes to global shipping. So within the sphere of global shipping, you have these countries that may otherwise seem to be very distant countries that have vested interest in the Gulf of Guinea. But you also have other countries that have geopolitical interests. You may have, for example, the United States. That is not a country with large shipping interests, but they have strategic interests. The strategic interest may be a form of military deployment interest in the region. How do they make sure that they are able to impact strategically in the region in terms of deployment. And also, the interest may be to deny others from having access to the region. For example, 
it is no doubt that there's a great competition between the United States and China. And as China tried to pivot and to find ways of increasing their maritime relations in the Gulf of Guinea, you realize that a country such as the United States, because of polarity and com competition, is looking into that and trying to checkmate that. Why? Because if you look at the respective countries and their geographies, you realize that United States somehow is very much in the Atlantic. China is not in the Atlantic, but China will want a space in the Atlantic because of strategic and military and geopolitical interests. So you find this level of competition that will be taking place. Then that will also include Russia, for example. That is far off from the region, but the truth is that you cannot be a global power without having a functional and effective naval capability in every waters of the world. So you then have Russia that will have interest, and that interest is well understood why they should have interest. Finally, within the larger region, if you look at the wider Atlantic, you cannot do but recognize the interests of certain countries. For example, look at Brazil, looking into the further side of Atlantic, but having a major coastal line that looks into the Atlantic. So Brazil as a country have got that strategic and geopolitical interest in whatever happened in the Gulf of Guinea, um, resource-wise, but also importantly, military and defense, when you look at it. So these are the multifaceted geopolitical interests. Within the region, of course, it depends on how you look at it. Countries may have some level of middle-level geopolitical interest, depending on how they are able to prosecute it. For example, nothing prevents a country such as Nigeria to look at the Gulf of Guinea beyond Nigerian waters and see it as its domain reserve or as an area where it can also expand and enlarge its influence. So these are the larger geopolitical interests that come into play. And certain times, they may affect maritime security in different ways. They may enhance maritime security, but in a certain way to negatively impact on how maritime security is being delivered within the region. Thank you so much. You really, I, I love the way you sort of took us through this narrative and reflected on the different countries, different regions and their interests. And with that in mind, we can talk about maybe military presence. So for a while, talking about the economic interest, for instance, or even the geopolitical interest, we've had the EU naval presence in the Gulf of Guinea. Um, since 2000, sorry, since the 1990s, for example, we've had the mission Corum Bay, which is centered around protecting French interests um, in the Gulf of Guinea. And then since 2010, excluding the military base um, that the U.S. have through Africa on the continent, talking about the maritime aspect, we've had the um, Obangame exercise, which, of course, more or less protects the U.S. interest in that since we've had incidents of piracy and robbery at sea that targets U.S. Uh, vessels, for instance, we've seen why this can be very important in terms of protecting their economic interests. And therefore, given current China's presence in the region, their investments in ports across the region, in Cameroon, in Nigeria, in Ghana, in different places, should we worry about the potential of Chinese naval presence in the region? Or is this something that should come as natural given all the things you've said earlier? 
Yes. Um, if you look at it, um, you've rightly actually put many things in context. Um, you we we've historical have um uh, European naval interest in the Gulf of Guinea, and and that is partly based on historical um colonization, of course. To, to begin with, before colonization and slavery could even happen, there was always um, European naval presence. And the naval presence was pivot, pivotal in the colonization as much as trade was very much uh, instrumental in colonization. Then you've rightly said in much recent times, we are having the coordinated maritime patrols, which is meant to champion and pursue European interests of protecting resources, stabilizing the region, but also pursuing other geopolitical interests, including denying other uh, states from having interest. For example, we've also been having countries such as um, Italy that have been deployed uh, frigate continuously in the Gulf of Guinea for the past uh, three, four years that has been happening. Of course, that is pivoted in certain interests. You have to realize that ENI as an oil company is expanding its interest in Ghana, Nigeria, and across the, uh, the sub-region. And because of ENI, you will then have, you know, another presence to protect that Italian oil strategic interest in the Gulf of Guinea. So there is no really um, a naval deployment that is um, somehow devoid from some kind of economic interest, either immediate or in the future. And of course, you talked about the, the Obangami, that is a yearly exercise championed by the United States through the AFRICOM that has become AFRICOM and UN, uh, uh, US forces um, um, uh, Europe. That has become a means of pursuing US interests. Preceding Obangami, actually, was also what we called Africa Partnership Station, where the, the, the US deployed ships, uh, war, um, uh, naval ships into the Gulf of Guinea and there was sustained presence for a period of four years and with, with, with offsets across the Gulf of Guinea on board those ships, which was part of um, the way AFRICOM inserted itself in the continent from um, um, from Germany, where the, the AFRICOM is based, but looking into Africa. Then, of course, you, you talked about China. So if we, if we look at it that way, uh, China have, first of all, shipping interests. They are one of the largest shipping country globally. They are now having port facility interests across the Gulf of Guinea in a number of countries. So no doubt, and if we look at it, that the high seas and the exclusive economy zones are areas where countries display their geopolitical and military interests. You cannot do without saying that China has an interest, and that interest shows that China will be present. So increasingly, we have seen Chinese visits, for example, to Nigeria, to Ghana, to Cameroon, and a few countries across the sub-region. And these are just not simple visits. These are visits that are conducted at the highest diplomatic and military level, expeditions, actually, of Chinese uh, vessels. So what that means is that China has signaled over the years, the last couple of years, its presence in the region. And there is no doubt that this is one of the reasons why the U.S. is recalibrating its interest in the sub-region to look at the way of denying or limiting Chinese presence in the region. Here we are talking about visible platforms such as ships. But let's remember that beneath the sea, there are submarines and there are other ocean deplo uh, underwater deployments that are taking place. And those who monitor military activities 
will know that it is just not the U.S. submarines or or Brazil submarines or other European submarines that are finding their way into the Gulf of Guinea. Chinese submarines are doing the same. So this is the overlay of geopolitical interest that you have in the face of maritime security. And that poses a number of opportunities, but also challenges, as we have said. So much. And so I, I want to ask my person again, should we be worried? The reason why I say this is, of course, when you listen to some of the rhetorics around, oh, China, we have to be worried about their operations on the continent and then concerns that you've already raised about the geopolitical interest and the politics of it all, you know, the US action, for example, or the EU actions and the rest of it. Should Africa be involved in all these things or should we focus on what our main interest is, which is improving safety and security and ensuring that the resources we have in our maritime space is used for the sustainable development of the African peoples, specifically okay. people in Western Central Africa? Yeah, exactly so, exactly so. So here we have a convergence of national, regional and geopolitical interests that are playing out. Um, rightly so, our Gulf of Guinea countries are interested in um, protecting their resources, enhancing the livelihood of their coastal communities, and ultimately delivering development to the, uh, to the country and to the people. And ostensibly, some of the geopolitical interests are helping in leveraging that or increasing that. The truth, however, is that anytime there is geopolitical competition, the geopolitics tend to undermine other aspects of safety security. The reality in international relations is that once states are involved in power struggle, ultimately, it is the power dynamics that determine what they do and not necessarily what is of interest to the environment within which they are operating. So although many of these countries will package maritime security, maybe with very good intentions, maritime security support to the Gulf of Guinea, but in the face of this competing geopolitics, what you realize is that things start to tear apart because the competition is no longer necessarily an, uh, uh, aimed at enhancing your security, but it is also in a way undermining it. How do I explain this? At the very time that European nations may be trying to support Gulf of Guinea country on issues of maritime security and safety, China may equally be trying to do so. But because there is no convergence of interest, what you then see is that the interest here will not be to collectively help Gulf of Guinea countries to enhance maritime security. The interest here will be how do we undermine what others are doing? So in other words, the policies that are being pursued bilaterally or at a multilateral level by some states will equally be undermined by other states in order to make sure that they deny the geopolitical opportunity that other countries can enjoy. It is in this light that we necessarily have to be worried. How do we contain this geopolitical interest? The truth is that if there is a military exercise or a naval exercise or naval visit of Chinese vessels to Nigeria, for example, other countries such as European and US Western powers are looking at that. They are not necessarily happy with that, although that might have been meant to strengthen Nigerian maritime security, enhance coordination and cooperation with China for future delivery of maritime security. 
ultimately, the interest will be that China is trying to gain strategic interest in Nigeria and the Gulf of Guinea. How do we compete that? How do we undermine that? So this is where Gulf of Guinea countries, we need to look at it strategically and understand that in their engagement with multi-countries, apart from the opportunities that may be there, there can also be disadvantages in terms of undermining the collective security that we enjoy because of the geopolitical pursuit. But also it is important for Western countries or other countries to understand that they do not necessarily always have to overcompete geopolitically in order to undermine other countries. We cannot take it for, we cannot assume that geopolitical competition will not be there. But if you are looking at a region that is already vulnerable and you are aiming to support the region, then you need to temper your geopolitical competition if you are really interested in enhancing the collective security of the region. So this kind of geopolitical competition between major powers will have to be understood by Gulf of Guinea countries, calibrate their policies in order to contain that. But it is also, especially the regional institutions have to take a major role in this. But it is also important that the geopolitical interest players also understand that, their that the pursuit of their geopolitical interest should not undermine the safety and security of the Gulf of Guinea. Because if they do that, or if they did that, the collective security that we are looking up in future, in terms of enhancing Gulf of Guinea to be able to deliver security globally, safety and security globally, that will be undermined. It will be short-lived. It will be something you are doing today to strengthen the security, but because you are equally undermining it, in 10, 15 years' time, there may be a wider gap in terms of security capability. Thank you so much. You really answered this question very aptly. And I guess because of this geopolitical competition and undermining some of this efforts, this is why we see a lot of replication when it comes to some of the international support that is coming from outside towards the Gulf of Guinea. And it's very important. And I like that you highlighted um, for the part of the Gulf of Guinea countries, the need to also look to what works for them and how to make sure that they can harness these opportunities. And in thinking about what could go wrong, I mean, what's happening in Niger, Mali, Burkina Faso is just an example of what could happen in the maritime space. But even worse, given the nature of the vastness and how governed these spaces are, I want to say thank you to you. And I, just as a way of concluding, what advice would you give to the Gulf of Guinea countries moving forward to ensure that they work together and to the international communities, the outside entities that are supporting or working with the Gulf of Guinea, what advice would you give to them as well to ensure that they do not, in the process of doing good, end up doing bad? Because at the end of the day, safety and security is in, is for, is in the interest of everyone that is using the maritime space in the region. So last one. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ife. Yeah, governance of the maritime space is key and it is important. And Gulf of Guinea states will have to shape policies in order to be able to drive maximum benefit from their maritime space. One of the weakest things that is happening across Africa and the Gulf of Guinea is that there is low attention that is being placed on policy and strategic decision making. It is important that we enhance our collective policy and strategic decision making. Institutions that are supposed to deliver strategic direction at the highest level 
must not only do that focusing on lands. For example, national security or national intelligence institutions, they have to work and deliver, you know, um, dividends in the maritime governance space as well. So the countries can collectively understand in a very strategic sense what is happening and be able to do that. Beyond that, Gulf of Guinea countries will have to balance our interests. Shipping is important, no doubt, and we are supposed to protect it. But we have to continuously understand the importance of living resources. As much as we are spending effort and national resources as policing and enhancing global shipping, especially tackling piracy, we must look at uh, fisheries, marine pollution, and other issues that impact heavily also on our communities and address that. This is one particular gap that we are having now that our fishery resources, our coastal communities are not enjoying the dividends and our countries are not enjoying those dividends. So we have to focus on that as well and make sure that we do that. Ultimately, countries will have to make sure that they spend resources, their own resources, at enhancing maritime security. You cannot want to enhance maritime security and be completely dependent on external support in doing that. You make yourself vulnerable by completely depending on external resources. External support is important, but national policies and national budgets must also be spent in enhancing maritime security. And thank you, Ife, for this opportunity to have a chat with you. It has been an interesting discussion. On that note, I want to say thank you again, Dr. Kamau, for this enriching conversation. I've learned so much from it, and I can't wait to share it with our audience. Thank you again. And to our listeners, um, thank you for joining us and have a really great day ahead. Thank you. And do have a